630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. For updates and information on the salary cap in the National Hockey League, how things work, why teams do certain moves, I would suggest to follow on Twitter Puckpedia or go to the website Puckpedia. They posted this tonight with Nugent Hopkins on long-term injured reserve. The Oilers now have cap space to accommodate Ilya Kanovalov, the goaltender. So he's converted from an emergency exception with zero cap hit to a regular call-up and his cap hit now counts. So this doesn't, Nugent going on long-term injured reserve does not mean that his injury is more serious. So, so they're moving things around here with the cap a little bit. Um, and uh, Puckpedia also writing Nugent Hopkins to LTIR by the Oilers. Reminder that a player must be on LTIR for 10 games and 24 days from the date of injury, which is December 31st, and postponed games do count towards the 10. So Nugent Hopkins' salary is added to long-term injured reserve. Uh, the Oilers can now exceed the cap at the moment by $10.7 million. Now, that doesn't mean they get that as a free pass for the rest of the season, but uh, you know, just in case there's maneuvering needed here along the way. Smith by the way, Mike Smith to injured reserve. And also, uh, I can tell you that Seth Griffith is up from the Bakersfield Condors. Alex Stalock, goaltender, is down there with the Condors, not expected to play tomorrow against San Jose. Dylan Holloway could very well make his pro debut for uh, Bakersfield tomorrow against the Barracuda. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight, folks. It is 2 nothing. Late in the first period for Minnesota in Chicago. After two, the Islanders lead the Coyotes 2-zip. Late in the second period, Detroit leading Dallas 3-2. Seven minutes into the third, Penguins up 3-2 on the Jackets. And it's 5-2 for the Hurricanes against the Rangers about five minutes into the third. Nino Niederreiter has his 11th of the season. Chris Kreider with his 26th for the Rangers. Tomorrow, Rogers place. 6.30 face-off show, 8 o'clock opening face-off, Oilers and Flames. Pat Steinberg is the host of Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Pat, old boy, what's going on? Oh, you know, looking forward to, uh, we we discussed this earlier this week, uh, down on Calgary Radio Airwaves, probably what, they've got uh, five wins combined in their last 26 games, so probably leaning more towards the the old pillow fight of Alberta on Saturday night but I'm I'm actually I'm really interested to see what this whole thing like atmosphere what happens if the Oilers lose what happens if Calgary loses I kind of I'm I'm morbidly interested in tomorrow's game well that, that's a fair comment and I gave the stats earlier the Oilers are 2-11 and 2 <laughs> since starting 16 and 5 the Flames on December 3rd were 15-4-5, and five, uh, I believe with seven shutouts, and they are 3-7-1 and one since. Now, I, I think we have to look at this honestly, and th- the team I cover is doing extremely poorly. Uh, mm-hmm. The team you cover is doing better, though I feel that's like a bit of a backhanded compliment. I mean, they, they beat Florida 5-1, but that doesn't undo being 
uh, 3-7 one in their last 11. So, I mean, I, I've been, me and all my listeners have been talking for weeks about what ails the Oilers. Is it fair to ask you what ails the Calgary Flames? Well, there's been a few things that have that have happened with the Flames, and their game on Tuesday against Florida was was really strong, and they were full marks for that 5-1 victory. You know, Spencer Knight was a little shaky in net, and you know your team saw Sergei Bobrovsky two nights later, and he was really really good. Um, but the Flames were definitely full marks for that victory, and, and they deserved to come away with the win. But you know, a few things have been ailing them. Uh, first of all, I mean the the three seven and one record spans like more than a month. They've played 11 games in a month because they had a 19-day COVID-19 shutdown that started on December 11th. They didn't return until December 30th and their first ever trip to Seattle. So it, it's it, it's been a, like when they won that game on Tuesday, it had been about a month since they had won a game, more than a month since they had won a game, which was uh, hard to wrap your head around or in that range anyway. Um, Goaltending hasn't been as good. Jacob Markstrom was very good against Florida on Tuesday, but prior to that, in the game since the COVID pause, Markstrom had been below what we are used to from him. He'd struggled a little bit. He was letting in, you know, they, they were still decent quality shots, but they were getting through them, whereas prior to the COVID pause, he was making a lot of those stops. Uh, they they really had a drop-off in terms of their secondary scoring. Uh, that's an area that I think is going to be an issue or a conversation point with this team until, until the deadline and beyond, because they've got a great number one line centered by Elias Lindholm, and it, it kind of drops off from there. Uh, and they, they weren't really sticking to their brand of hockey as much, and, and their brand of hockey is all based on really, really strong details away from the puck and uh, the, their their checking game and their their pressure game without the puck and uh, making it really difficult for opposing teams to get to the middle and opposing teams to uh, generate quality scoring chances and quality shots and they got away from that, but it, it's somewhat skewed because. They did lose three games in a row through that gauntlet that every Canadian team is losing three games in a row through Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida. But what really set it off was just over a week ago, they returned home after losing those three games and laid an absolute egg against the Ottawa Senators. And, and in this market, a little different for, for your market because the Oilers got 18 of a possible 18 from the Senators last year. The Flames, uh, when it was all said and done, what they got uh of a possible 18 from the Ottawa Senators, and that was one of the biggest reasons why they missed the playoffs last year. So Ottawa to come in and lay a 4-1 victory on the Flames, that did not sit very well. So it, it, They have not been as good, and specifically have not been as good since coming off the COVID pause. The hope is that the 5-1 win against Florida, where they resembled the team they were prior to the pause, and they resembled the brand of hockey they needed to play on a nightly basis. The hope is that the Florida win is is somewhat of a jumping off point. Okay. Now, the, the one thing that is an issue in Edmonton is goaltending. That has not been an issue in Calgary, I, I don't think, even with some of these losses. Can you compare Jacob Markstrom this year to last year? Um, yeah, and I think Markstrom has been 
more consistent this year than he was last year. And and I say that because in the 56-game schedule, Markstrom was great off the start and was really good for the first 10 or 15 games, was really good for the final 10 or 15 games. Unfortunately, a, a number of those didn't matter very much. But in the middle, things really came off the rails a little bit. And the, the biggest reason for that is that he, he was not right after sustaining a concussion in uh, collision with Vancouver's Tanner Pearson. And from that point on, even when he returned, he was cleared and medically fine to return, but his game was off. And there was, you know, they had to, he had to get his game back. And it was a really rough stretch. Like his save percentage was down around like 870, 875 for a span of 20, 25 games, which is just, you know, when you're paying a guy $6 million, it's not going to cut it. This year, we haven't seen those crazy dips. I mean, we've seen the massive peaks and, and him posting a shutout every third game like he was doing for the first quarter of the season. That wasn't sustainable. But what we haven't seen is these long stretches where he dips. Now, the only the only area where we have seen that is coming out of the COVID pause. But I think that you can give most players, flames or otherwise, somewhat uh, a little bit of slack just because they, they were off for 19 days and, and they were dealing with the virus. So he came out of that. He got dinged up a little bit, missed a back-to-back. They played back-to-back in Tampa Bay and Carolina. And when they didn't start Jacob Markstrom at either one of them, it raised alarm bells. So he was nicked up, battling through something. Then they've had a little bit more time off since that point. And after the not-so-great game against Ottawa, a few more days, it seemed like he looked just visibly more right against Florida on Tuesday. So I would say Markstrom is far more consistent this year than he was last year. And we haven't seen those, you know, long stretches of peaks and valleys. It's been a pretty steady year from him and a pretty steady year of high-end hockey, even though those shutouts are not going to be sustainable. He's been, you know, he's been a 920 to 930 goaltender for the, the balance of the season so far. Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network joining us then at Inside Sports. We set up tomorrow's Battle of Alberta. So I love how you said that off the top, that you have a morbid curiosity about what happens in the uh, losing team city tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to go over what will happen here because people know and I, we've all been living it. Uh, what will... <laughs> Like, I can't believe, or like, do you have fans that are angry at Sutter or like what areas are, are under fire here through this flame slump and maybe could be if they fall tomorrow? I, I think it's more the roster and the roster construction in this market. Uh, I think people are, it's, it's weird because Daryl Sutter's taken this team over and, and he really has uh, been able to develop an identity in terms of the way they play. And that's really something this team has been lacking for the longest time. The only identity this team had was that they didn't really have one. They, they were a very Jekyll and Hyde team, whether it was Jeff Ward or Bill Peters or Glenn Gullitson as their head coach. This core group has never really been able to establish an identity because they, they, they were just too inconsistent, save that, what I think we can now look back at is somewhat of a throwaway season in 18-19 where they, they won the Western Conference in the regular season. That seems to be you know more like the exception to the norm. Well, this year they have established an identity and all those things I talked about, you know, the the, the, the play away from the puck and 
how difficult they are to generate offense on and how you know miserable they are to even enter the zone or spend any time there. And it's just a very Daryl Sutter, Los Angeles uh, Kings type team where it's all about shot volume and keeping the puck and keeping it at the other end of the ice. That's their identity. Um, so, but I think that the, the area that people are frustrated about is that do they have the horses to be able to play that brand of hockey consistently and be able to be a team that, that stays in the, the first place mix with Vegas in the Pacific Division for an entire year? I think that's what people are more would, would more be frustrated about because they've got this great number one line. I, I still believe Lindholm, Kachuk, and Gaudreau have spent the most time together in the NHL as a line, bar none, anywhere, even though they've played fewer games in a lot of the league, more time together than the perfection line or you know Toronto's lines or whatever the case may be and they've been really good uh, they've dominated possession they've dominated scoring chances they're extremely high scoring but it's a bit of a drop-off from there and people are wondering, well if you if you're not going to blow up the core after missing the playoffs last year are you going to go out and add to the group and they added Coleman and Coleman's coming along but there's a lot of people who are looking for that you know that, that big-time score. And, you know, down here, it's Tomas Hurdle people are talking about. Or ever since Frank Saravelli threw out the name Alex Debrinket and JT Miller, like, they're, they're, I, I think that that's what people are, are more frustrated about or could be more frustrated about if the Flames end up losing on Saturday because that would be five losses in six games. And it, it's the offense and the, the lack of secondary scoring and are they going to be able to have enough offense and come at you at enough waves uh, to have any success in the playoffs. So I think it would be more a frustration thing. I don't think it would be anything like, oh, what's going to happen uh, on Sunday if they lose on Saturday? It would just more be, you know what, I'm being selfish, Reed. I'm just worried about the phone calls I'll take on Saturday. That's that's more why I'm, I'm worried about what happens <laughs> if Calgary loses to the Oilers. Because it, well, it's true. If they lose a game to a team that has lost 13 of 15, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a bloodbath on the post-game show down here. Ah, you'll be fine. People are reasonable. All right, Pat, uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on your show earlier this week. And uh, allow me to say, with uh, all due respect, to use a phrase that was used earlier this week, you know everything. (laughs) Stop being so pissy, Reed. That is Pat Steinberg checking in from down the highway. Sportsnet 960, the Flames Radio Network. Uh, yeah, a good a good outline there. I mean, look, Cal- Calgary uh, is having a better season than Edmonton, as as Pat have said. They've they've had some problems here over the last eleven games. First of all, haven't uh, haven't played a lot, and uh, do they have the roster to play the sort of style that Daryl Sutter wants them to play for? 82 games and then hopefully into the postseason. Uh, Connor McDavid has done very well against Calgary in his career. Um, the goaltending matchup, if it's Markstrom against Koskinen, obviously that heavily favors Calgary, but uh, we'll see what plays out tomorrow night. We're going to take a quick timeout inside sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. A lot of criticism of Dave Tippett, Miko Koskinen under a lot of heat as well. Here's Oilers forward Warren Fogle. Yeah, I think it's unfair to be honest. Like, you know, we win, we win as a team, we lose as, as a team. It's kind of what I said before. It's, it's it's unfair just to blame one guy. You know, we're all responsible on the ice. All six guys that are on the ice that make a mistake, we're all responsible together. So, um, you know, 
we're a team and, and, and we're here to win and you just can't be pointing fingers and, and saying, oh, it's that guy's fault, this guy's fault. Like, it doesn't work like that. That's not how you win. A little bit there from uh, Warren Fogle as uh, we go to Kellen Kennedy with some canned hams. Yes, uh, Robin Capilano, the Oilers need a good old-fashioned line brawl to galvanize the team and to remind each other that they need to play for each other and fight for each other. That's well, from Robin Capilano. Who wants to see the, a the, Royal Rumble, as if it were tomorrow night, yeah, I guess. Great, greater <laughs> chance of that happening against Calgary tomorrow, Rob. Maybe you'll get your wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oil Fan Forever texts in and says, I would like Woodcroft and Manson to get a chance here. You know, I I think, guys, that if Dave Tippett were relieved of his duties, uh, I think that uh, Jim Playfair would go with him. And personally, I think Gullitson would be the uh, interim head coach, and I think Woodcroft and Manson would finish out the year in the AHL. That's, that's, what, that's my, well, I was going to say educated guess. Many of you would probably call it an uneducated guess, but that, that would be my... That would be my speculation if Dave Tippett were uh, were let go. But uh, Woody's doing a good job down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie texts in and says, let the Russian play. You've got nothing to lose. Maybe Skinner and him could be the next goalies. He wouldn't touch Price or Flurry. Well, I don't think they're going to touch Price. I mean, he might not play at all this season. Um, the thing is with Flurry, I mean, he's, he's older as well. He's not as old as Smith. What is he, 36, I think? Um again, any deal with Chicago, you'd have to trade them Koskinen and possibly even get them to retain some salary, in which case they might need another bit of a sweetener to do that deal. But I would touch Flurry because I think he would be an improvement at the position. Is that it, Kellen? You're playing me off. That's it. That's it for now. <laughs> I'll have now. more later. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, oh, this is going to be fun. Next half hour of the show, we will welcome back to Inside Sports for the first time in several years, DeAnthony Batiste. He was on this show a few times. Uh, he and Tony Washington came into studio a couple of times, actually, while they were playing for the Green and Gold 2015 Great Cup champion. He's now working in the NFL. He's the strength and conditioning coach for the Las Vegas Raiders who uh, made the playoffs in dramatic fashion before being eliminated last week in Cincinnati. We will catch up with the man they call D.A. in the next half hour. Thanks for checking out the show. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.